Happy Thanksgiving, America, and welcome to History Class on the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen, and you are listening to History Week on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We just decided it's time for History Class. It's um, it's time to, to go back and refresh ourselves. Who were the pilgrims? Why did they come to America? Uh, you know my feelings on, on history. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. We talk about the attempt from the left to rewrite history in this country. I mean, we see it unfolding with the 1619 Project. We've cataloged it here. And instead of just talking about it and complaining about it and, you know, wishing that the left would stop rewriting history, then, uh, you know, let's just, let's talk about history accurately. Let's discuss actual history. And that's the point of history class on the Dean's List. We're going to talk about actual history. We've been doing it all week. Uh, it's it, and it's it's important for us to go back, you know, because we we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a beautiful holiday, and it's important for us to know, you know, why why do we celebrate it? Uh, and to ask that question, we have to ask, well, who were the pilgrims? I mean, we we acknowledge that that feast that the pilgrims had with with the Indians, we acknowledge that as the first Thanksgiving. You know, so in order for us to understand the holiday, we have to ask, well, who were these people and why did they come to America? So we've spent really a couple of days laying that foundation. Uh, We went back to King Henry. We talked about the culture that really began with Henry VIII. Uh, And it it was this culture that, that the monarchy created, which genuinely, legitimately caused uh, religious tyranny. Uh, the, the, the parliament under, under Henry had passed two laws. Uh, the, the, the one law was called the Act of Supremacy. And this, um, you know, this was 1534. Uh, Henry uh, has broken away from the Holy Roman Catholic Church because they, you know, the Pope, Pope Clement would not grant him a divorce to, to Catherine of Aragon, the daughter, by the way, of Isabel and Ferdinand. And the church was like, no, we can't because, you know, the Bible, you know, but there's speculation that the Pope was actually afraid of the, uh, of the grandson of the king and queen, Charles V, who was Catherine's nephew. Because Charles V, I I didn't talk about this, I don't think, to much extent, but Charles V had actually sacked Rome and imprisoned the Pope for six months. And then, of course, the Pope makes Charles V the Holy Roman Emperor of all of the uh, Catholic countries, all of the Roman Empire. He's the Holy Roman Emperor. Well, Henry's like, you know what? These guys aren't going to let me have my divorce. I'm breaking away. And he does. And he starts the Church of England. Uh, and when in Parliament passes the Act of Supremacy, which declares, the government then officially declares that Henry is the supreme head of the church. Henry can do what he wants now. He's the head of the church. And then Parliament passes the Treason Act, which, which makes it a crime if anyone accuses the king of heresy or tyranny. It's, it's treason. You, you, can't, you can't say that the king is heretical or tyrannical. 
If so, uh, guess what? You're guilty of treason and off with your head. And this is how the king, you know, could accuse his second wife, Anne Boleyn, of uh, of treason and have her beheaded. You know, it, mostly because she wasn't giving birth to any sons. Yeah, yeah. She gave birth to a daughter, Elizabeth, and then had three miscarriages. And Henry's like, eh, we're not doing this. Uh, you know, I'm the king. I'm going to off with her head. So th this is the culture that, that the pilgrims uh, are growing up in. Now, they weren't alive at this time, but their parents are alive. And this culture is being created. And it, it's carried over. Uh, Bloody Mary carries it over. Uh, Elizabeth I carries it over. Um, you know, there's this dichotomy between the sisters, Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, you know, Mary is the daughter of Catherine of Aragon. And um, she just goes on this tirade. That's why she's called Bloody Mary. She kills over 300 people, including the bishop who annulled the marriage of her parents. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't want Protestantism. She doesn't want the Church of England. She wants to go back to Catholicism. She's married to the new king of Spain, Philip II, who's the son of Charles V. I know I'm throwing out a lot of names, uh, you know, names and dates, but it's really the stories that, that count. It's the stories. And the story here is that you know, Bloody Mary wants to go back to Catholicism, and she's married uh, Philip, the king of Spain, and they're doing this together, uh, you know, because Philip believes, hey, England should be should be back under under my domain. Mary's only on the throne for five years. When she dies, her sister Elizabeth, who's the daughter of Anne Boleyn, Elizabeth takes the throne, and Elizabeth continues the the same tyrannical approach, but she does it by going back to Protestantism. Uh, she's not interested in in Catholicism. She wants to go back under the the Church of England. She wants to be the sole ruler. She doesn't want to fall under Philip II in Spain. Matter of fact, Philip II proposed to her. He's like, come on, let's go. You and I, we can make this happen. And she's like, no, no, not going to happen. Well, then Philip says, mm, Mary, Queen of Scots, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll marry her. And then I would have a rightful claim to the throne of England. And so Elizabeth gets wind of this, and she also gets wind of some assassination attempts on that are being planned against her. So what does she do? Well, she assassinates Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, she's like, uh-uh, mm-mm. But, but she continues this same tyrannical approach. I mean, she has, she has people executed for their religious beliefs. And this is now this is the time that the pilgrims are, are born into. Uh, the 1590s, you know, the 1580s and 90s, many of these pilgrims are, are, are born into this tyranny, uh, into the tyranny that now Elizabeth is overseeing. And, you know, yesterday we, we talked about that it was illegal. You could not leave England. But the pilgrims, which uh, they, they were trying to separate themselves, there were there were Two groups that, that were formed here. The first group were the first group of people were known as Puritans because they wanted to purify the Church of England. They wanted to change it. The second group were known as separatists. They wanted to separate themselves from the church. And this is the group that the pilgrims fell into. 
and, and you know so they would have service at night under the cover of darkness by candlelight you know they're they're going from barn to basement you know to these secret locations uh you know but the church was hot on their trail harrying them at every turn uh and after elizabeth dies uh, King James, who at the time is the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, King James is the king of, of, of the Scots, he then uh, becomes king of the whole domain. He becomes king of Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England. But he continues in the same line as uh, Elizabeth. You know, he it was his opinion, it was his belief that as king, he sat on the very throne of God. And that as king, he decided who should live and who should die. He was over all of it. I mean, talk about talk about tyranny. Talk about living in, in, in a world where one leader, you know, what if Joe Biden, um, he would love this power, I'm sure, but what if what you know, what if he walked around and it was his belief that you know, he sat in the seat of God and he could decide who should live and who should die. And our Congress went, you know, fell in lockstep. That would be horrible. And and these people wanted, they just wanted to be able to worship God in the way they saw fit. Uh, and King James carrying in the line of Elizabeth and Mary and, and Edward before her and then Henry, um, you know they they continued this this tyrannical uh, oppression of of their own citizens. So, you know they the 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 pilgrims before they were called pilgrims, the separatists, they made plans to leave England, which was illegal. And you know we talked about this yesterday. They made two attempts, and the first attempt failed miserably. Uh, they were captured. Uh, uh, you know, they they spent weeks, some of them spent months in, in prison. When they were finally released, though, guess what? They went, they started making their plans again. We have got to get to Holland, they said. We've, we've got to make our plans to get to Holland. And so they make a second attempt. And it's that second attempt where um, the first attempt, they hired a an English uh, captain, boat captain, to take him to Holland. And he was a turncoat. He took all their money. Uh, they paid him for it, but then he notified the authorities and he said, "Hey, I'm you know, you guys want to come and capture these these separatists? They're yours." He was a turncoat. Once the separatists get out of prison, they're back at it and they're making their plans again. This time, they hire a Dutch captain, or the Flying Dutchman, uh, because they believe that he would be more faithful than their own countrymen. I mean, that's what uh, William. Uh, Bradford wrote in his um, in his of Pilgrim Plantation. We have all this written down. It's all documented. That's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, so they hired the, the Dutchmen, and then the, the crazy thing there is that uh, you know the Dutchman has the men. You know, they they meet at this secret location on the seashore, and the men are are ferried out to the ship because they're going to load the supplies. While the men are on the ship loading supplies, uh, people, armed armed individuals, armed officials, church and government officials come from the town because they got wind that the separatists were planning to leave. 
and the Flying Dutchman, you know, that wasn't his name, by the way. He was just a Dutch captain. I call him the Flying Dutchman. He cut anchorage that were bailing. Oh, we got to get out of here. And all of the men are on the ship. And they're, they're saying, well, no, our wives, our children are back there. No, uh-uh, we, we, we got to turn around. The Dutchman's like, no. So the ladies and the and their kids are captured. And they are moved from court to court, from prison to prison for two years. This goes on for two years. And finally, they get before a judge and he says, why don't you just go home? But what, what, Why are we even doing this? Go home. And the ladies are like, we don't have a home. We sold everything to, to go to Holland. And the judge is like, well, just go. Just go. Go meet your husband in Holland. And finally, you know, he, he you know, they're, they're released. Uh, can you, I mean, put yourself in the shoes of these people. I, I just, it's, I can't imagine, really. I can't imagine. So this is, so they, they finally meet in Leiden. Uh, the, 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 the women and the children finally arrive. And this is what William Bradford writes. In his, in his journals, he says this, being thus constrained to leave their native soil and country, their lands and livings, and all their friends and familiar acquaintance, to go into a country they knew not but by hearsay, where they must learn a new language and get their livings they knew not how, it being a dear place and subject to the miseries of war, because remember Holland was you know attacked by Spain, under siege by, by Spain, for four years, and the city of Leiden um, specifically. And when they finally broke the dikes and, and washed out the, the Spanish ships, then uh, the city of Leiden starts celebrating with a Thanksgiving feast. And this is where the pilgrims learned it. This is where they, they, they realized and understood the importance of a feast of Thanksgiving. It's because it, was, it would happen every fall in the city of Leiden. And that's where they live. That's where they. That's where they, they move to. You know, so it's a place that understands the miseries of war. This is what what Bradford is saying. It was by many thought an adventure almost desperate, a case intolerable, and a misery worse than death. Huh. But these things did not dismay them though they did sometimes trouble them. He, he adds that in parentheses. He's got a sense of humor. These things did not dismay them, though they did sometimes trouble them. For their desires were set on the ways of God and to enjoy his ordinances. But they rested in his providence and knew whom they had believed. So, you know, once in Holland, the pilgrims settled in the city of Leiden, and their elder, William Brewster, uh, taught at the University of, of, of Leiden, and he um, he understood Latin, and so uh, he could teach the people English. That's what he did. He, he taught English. Even though they're in Holland, they don't speak the language there. He goes to the university. They hire him to uh, teach English, and so he starts teaching English to very wealthy people. And he starts making a very good living, uh, which helps because, you know, they have no idea how, how they're going to earn a living. They don't know where they're going to stay. I mean, they just show up on the shores one day 
And, you know, here they are. Uh, so it was very beneficial for Brewster to teach English at the university. The university, by the way, which was started by Elizabeth and uh, William of Orange when they helped Holland and specifically the city of Leiden uh, defeat this siege, you know, brought on by the by the Spanish Empire. So the Spaniards, it was their desire to bring the Protestant countries back under the Holy Roman rule. And and, and so they, uh, you know, they instituted this all-out war on the Protestant nations. And, of course, Holland and, and England being a part of that, uh, which is why Elizabeth came to the aid of England and, you know, helped them defeat and overcome this siege that was that was being brought against them by the Spaniards. So this is this is where they land and and they learn this whole idea of celebrating Thanksgiving in Holland and and being being thankful to God uh, for the things that he's brought them through. Now, they were a grateful people anyway. They were a grateful lot anyway. They they believed and worshiped God anyway. Uh, but but now they're in this culture, which, you know, to some extent, you know, is also thankful. Uh, while they're there, though, they, they learn some things about the culture that they don't like. And we'll we'll cover that uh, when we get to the other side of the break. I'm 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 up against it. So uh, this this history is just it's important. And I love it. You know, personally, I love to read about this kind of stuff. It's it's fun to to learn of our own ancestry, where we came from. You know, why why did the people come here? What was their whole point? All right, we'll pick it up again on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack, Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop. Look for ASEA 
Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Welcome back to the Dean's List and happy Thanksgiving uh, to everyone out there. I hope that you are enjoying a delicious dinner and just uh, having a nice restful holiday, enjoying some good football and being thankful. Uh, And just today having a heart full of gratitude, you know, because that is the point of the holiday. The point of the holiday is to remind ourselves to be thankful and grateful to Almighty God for his many blessings. That's what Washington said when he made the proclamation in 1789. And that's what Lincoln said when he made the proclamation in 1863, which then became official, creating this as a national holiday. So I just, I hope you're just enjoying the day and being thankful and grateful for those that you have sitting around your table. I am thankful and grateful to have this opportunity to to dive back into history class with you. I love it. I love talking about history, rich, meaningful, actual American history, not made up lies, Uh uh-uh, actual, actual history. That's the beauty of it. All right, let's pick up where I left off that last break. So the Pilgrims make it to Holland. Uh, William Brewster is, um, you know, he's teaching, he's teaching at the, at the university when the, when the wives and children finally make it over, you know, after their, their two years of, of going from prison to court, to court, to court. And the judge finally says, get out of here, go be with your husbands. The women and children finally make it over. Uh, one of the boys is a 13 year old by the name of Edward Winslow. And uh, Winslow was involved in printing. He was a printer. And uh, even though Brewster taught at the university, uh, Winslow helped Brewster to, uh, the, the pilgrims bought this massive printing press. And if you've seen pictures of it online, just, just go Google pilgrims printing press. This thing is huge. It's got this jack that you kind of crank up. And then you 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 set the uh, the typeset in it, and then you lower the jack down, and it the typeset presses down into the you know whatever they were printing on. This thing is massive, so they get this uh, printer, and they start making religious pamphlets, which is highly illegal, and they they smuggle these pamphlets. Uh, back over the pond, they smuggle them back in England because they they still want to spread the truth of the gospel, not the 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 version that King James and the other monarchs before him decided to spread. They want to create pamphlets which show people the truth, so they're smuggling these back into England. So King James sends spies over to Holland. He wants to investigate this. Where in the world are these pamphlets coming from? We've got to put a stop to it. 
Uh, they're they're trying to f- to figure out who's behind this smuggling ring, and so he sends his spies into Holland, and then the Holland spies uh, join forces with the Holland police. You know, the king says, "Hey, look, I can't have this illegal contraband coming into my country." Uh, he gets a hold of Holland authorities, and he says, "Look, you know, my spies have uncovered this group. You need to you need to you need to shut her down." And so uh, the officials in Holland uh, raid and confiscate their printing press. Except they didn't actually take the press. They just took the the typeset, you know, letters and, and numbers or whatever they actually had that they were pressing down to print into the paper. And this is this is an important piece of the story that we will come back to. They don't actually confiscate the entire massive printing press. They just decide, oh, we don't want to lug this big thing around. Let's just make it uh, unusable for them. So they they take their their letters. They take their numbers. They they take the things that that they're actually uh, using as typeface. And so they shut down the operation. They just shut it down. Twelve years of this, you know, the the the, the pilgrims are there to. They're there to have a, a place of freedom, which they had. Uh, Holland was very much um, an open, uh, open, welcoming society. They were a Dutch reform. That was their predominant faith. But the country led the world in extending religious toleration to other Christian denominations. I mean, it wasn't like England, where you you only had one choice, and that was the Anglican Church. And if you did not make that choice, then... Uh, you were fined, you were imprisoned, and in some cases you were executed, but not in Holland. So the pilgrims go there and they they have this opportunity for freedom. They want to share their faith back with people at home. That, of course, is shut down because it's highly illegal. And this is going on for 12 years. And after 12 years, uh, the pilgrims begin to realize that their children are assimilating into the Dutch culture. And they're realizing that their courageous separatist movement may be short-lived uh, if their kids, you know, get sucked into into Dutch culture, Dutch society. Uh, you know, they they don't want that. They they want to raise their kids uh, the way that they see fit. Oh, if parents could raise their kids the way they they saw fit today, wouldn't that be a novel idea? What if parents actually had rights? to raise their kids the way, okay, we won't go there. Uh, they were also concerned about Spain invading again. You know, they that that, that bothered them. You know, there was some looming threat that, that Spain was coming back. So they're they're deciding on on where they should go. And they, they seriously thought about going to South America. Um, but then, you know, they realized that the Spanish, you know, government is just as powerful there. They can, you know, crush you there as they can anywhere. So they decide on Virginia. They reach out to the Virginia, the Virginia company, and um, they they make their plans. Uh, they decide to move to America where they could freely worship God, where they, they didn't have this looming threat of another nation coming in and wiping them out. Uh, it, it appeared that England, you know, didn't 
know, you can do what you wanted in America. So, you know, they just they, they they wanted their their subjects that lived on the island of England to to be a part of the Anglican Church. But you know, if you went to America and you were part of you know the colonies over there, you could kind of do what you wanted. You you, you had this freedom. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to freely worship God. They wanted to raise godly children and share the wonderful truths of the Christian gospel with others. Ultimately, that was their plan. Uh, concerning this third point of sharing the gospel, uh, here is what Bradford wrote. He said, a great hope and inward zeal for the propagating and advancing the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world i.e. America, that this is what they wanted. This was their hope. They wanted to be introduced to people here in America and introduce the gospel to them. The pilgrims arranged for two ships to carry them to America. Now, here we go. Now we're getting into the story that we, you know, part of the story that that we know and love. But there's still some information here that, that you may not be aware of. So they, they hire two ships, the Speedwell and the Mayflower. Shortly after setting out, the Speedwell developed a leak, forcing a return to England. After its repair, the ships departed once more, but the Speedwell again developed a leak, requiring a second return. So they're, they're starting to think, uh, hmm, could this be sabotage? You know, now they're on a third attempt. And many believed, including Bradford, that the leak was intentional, that that sabotage was involved on, on the speedwell. Um, a result of sabotage by the crew who did not want to go to America, that's what they believed. They really felt like this crew doesn't want to go, and, you know, they're, you know, taking it to us. And, you know, there's some later evidence that confirms this idea, because once the speedwell was sold to new owners, it made... Um, it did make successful voyages to America. So with the Speedwell out of commission, their transportation now is only reduced to, to one ship. Uh, so there are people on the Speedwell that have to get on the Mayflower, but there's not enough room for everybody. So there, again, some people are left behind. Some people have to stay in England and they're like, all right, we'll just, we'll try to get another boat and, and make our way back out to you. So the Mayflower, the 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 sole ship, finally set sail for America in September 1620. Several months behind schedule. Now they are, you know, since they had to go back twice. Uh, you know, they had hoped to leave in early summer, you know, where they would have more, more of a pleasant situation on the waters, more of a pleasant situation arriving, and that's not the case now. Uh, there's several months behind schedule, 102 of them, and they referred to themselves as pilgrims and strangers. This phrase is a biblical quote from 1 Peter 2 and 11, the verse from which the pilgrims took their name. Uh, but that ship carried much more than the pilgrims. It also carried the Bible-based principles they had learned, principles they were to become, that were to become the seeds of the greatest and freest nation the world has ever known. If you think about it that way, it is truly the principles of these people that sowed the seeds that would create the freest nation on the planet. Because there were things that they endured uh, 
tyrannical things that they went through, which became uh, uh, the, the antithesis of those things became the bedrocks of our very freedom, the First Amendment, you know, freedom of speech, uh, the, the ability to talk freely and openly without being worried about um, uh, being accused of treason and losing your head, or the ability to worship freely as you saw fit without you know having to be forced and you know people following you around and looking in basements and barns to make sure that you didn't have an unofficial unauthorized service going on you know this this stuff became the uh, the, the bedrock of of the greatest country on the on the planet it took 66 days before the mayflower finally reached america that's a long time a long time out there in the waters their trip across the Atlantic was treacherous, with constant storms. The crossing was so rough, with the waves so violent and gales so strong, that at one point, the main beam of the ship broke. This is the backbone of the craft, which largely held it together. The ship did not have the tools necessary to make the repairs. The situation was desperate. It would take a miracle to save the pilgrims and the ship. And guess what? That miracle occurred. Remember back when the pilgrims had, when they were driven out of England and went to Holland and they began publishing materials for their congregation as well as others explaining their religious beliefs to the public. And the king sent over his spies and they shut down the operation and, and the spies uh, and, and the police in Holland, instead of taking the press, the entire printing press only took the typesetting tools and materials to halt any further publication. Remember that? Well, the, the, so the pilgrims are left with this printing press with no way to print anything on it. And when they later loaded the ships to come into America, they strangely decided to bring that inoperative press with them on an already overcrowded ship. I mean, think about this. The Speedwell is inoperable. People are coming from the Speedwell to the Mayflower, and they still say, you know, we got this big press here. It doesn't work, but uh, let's take it. I mean, we're going to take it anyway. Shouldn't you make room for more people? Ah, nah, we, you know, some have to stay back anyway. I mean, we really want this printing press. We're going to need this printing press. We have no typesetting tools. Doesn't matter. We want this, we want this, this, this lug of, of machinery that we can't even use. Providentially, however, the main component of the press was its large jack screw. So when the main beam of the ship broke, the pilgrims had with them exactly what was needed for the crew to raise the beam back into place where it could be secured, thus saving their endangered lives as well as the ship. What a great story. Uh, I mean, Providence, you know, so, I mean, some people would say, oh, that's not Providence. <laughs> that's just dumb luck. I mean, it was stupid for them pilgrims to be bringing that big old printing press that didn't even work on that ship anyway. I mean, okay, you could argue all that, but providentially, the the main beam of the ship breaks. The ship's going down. I mean, it's uh, it's not sailworthy if that the backbone is broken. And they're all like, "Well, wait, hang on. We, I mean, we got this we got this great big jack screw here on this massive press. Let's get it under the beam and let's jack the beam back up." And they do, and it holds, and it gets them to the new world. 
it's these types of stories that I just I find amazing. I, I just I, I love the the golden thread of providence, which weaves itself through our history. Um, just at the time when providence is needed the most, providence appears. And this providential thread is, um, it's what ties everything together. It, it, you know, it's, um, we can look, even look back on your own lives. Look back on your own life and, and just pause for a moment. And today on Thanksgiving is a great way to, it's a great day to do it. Just pause and look at where, look at where God has met you. Look and see where uh, where he's blessed you. Think about the things that have unfolded in your life that should not have unfolded that way. Think about the miraculous things that have happened to you, and they've happened to all of us. I, I, I know they have. I mean, they've happened in my life, and they continue to happen in my life. The miraculous continues to take place in my life, and if we open our eyes to it, and if we pay attention to it, we can see how the providential hand of God lifts us and supports us and helps us and and is there for us. Oh, Dean, are you are you saying God's a crutch? That you need God to lift you up and you need you just you need a crutch. You can't do it on your own. I mean, I, I don't think I'm saying that. I, I think I'm saying that I'm grateful. Uh, and especially today, I'm grateful for the hand of God in my life. I'm grateful for the miraculous, which which he continues to, to show himself to me as. I'm grateful that he's there for me. Um, I love it. And I love to read these stories in history where, where he appeared and he showed and he made himself present, even in something simple like a, a jack screw on a large printing press. Ah, absolutely love it. All right. We'll pick up the story on the other side of this break. You're listening to History Class on the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray 
with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back to History Week on the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Happy Thanksgiving. We are happy to have you on board today. As we dive into actual history, there's just something rich about actual history. Learning about about history, the way it unfolded, the good and the bad. You know, this is what we, um, we like to do. This is what we do at Waterbrook Christian Academy. We believe in telling the truth. And if you want to support education that tells the truth, get behind us. Get behind us. Support what we're doing. The end of the year is coming up, and a lot of people, you know, they they look for places to donate, and they look for places to give money. Giving Tuesday is a big, big, it's a big time to, to just donate money. Uh, and that happens next Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Uh, and if you need a place to donate, get behind Waterbrook. Get behind what we're doing. Get behind a solid education. Uh, Waterbrookca.org. Go to our website and you'll see a a support tab uh, and do it. Uh, Get behind solid classical Christian education. We, uh, you know, somebody told me over at Turning Point Academy last year, they said, thank you for for the part you are playing in saving Western civilization. And when she said that, it just kind of, it took me back. I just thought, what? Saving what I'm taking part in saving Western civilization. But the more I, it just seemed kind of dramatic, but, but the more we look at what's happening around us in society, it is schools like Waterbrook. It is organizations like Turning Point Academy, which, are on the front lines of saving Western civilization. It's people like you. It's this listening audience of America Out Loud that is on the front lines of saving Western civilization. And I love that. I love being a part of this network. I I, I love this audience. I appreciate the, the feedback from many of you that I get. And if you want to send me an email, it's thedean.list at protonmail.com. And I love your feedback. I read them. Uh, I reply when I can, and it's just a a beautiful community to be to be a part of. We are interested in in saving this country, and so if you want to financially back an organization, if you want to back a school, uh, come to WaterbrookCA.org. We would love your help. We would love it if you got on board and 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 got behind some of the things that that were involved in there. History is such a beautiful thing, and true history is is even more beautiful. The, you know, the fact that these pilgrims would buy a printing press because they, you know, they believed it was going to help them to spread the gospel, and it did for a time. But the true purpose of that printing press was to save their lives. 
It was to be used as a super jack to keep that ship together, to literally keep the Mayflower together. It saved their lives. Uh, with the uh, continuous bad weather, the pilgrims and many of the crew members, there were 30, 30 crew members, uh, understandably, they remained below deck for a large part of the voyage. On one of these days, a man by the name of John Howland, a pilgrim in his early 20s, seeking some relief from the cramped conditions below, decided to go topside. While topside, he was swept overboard by a wave. Uh-huh. Just, whoop, just there he goes, right off the ship. Uh, few in that day knew how to swim, including him. And making it worse, most did not know that Holland had even been washed off the ship. Furthermore, fierce winds made it virtually impossible to stop the ship and turn back to rescue him. And even if they could have done so, it would have taken the better part of an hour. At that point, forget it. He's gone. Howland would undoubtedly have drowned to death by then. By that point, his accident sentenced him to death, essentially. Except, except there was a rope trailing along in the water behind the ship. And in a frantic effort, Howland grabbed it. He desperately hung on and was dragged through pounding waves and turbulent waters before finally being pulled up on deck. Eventually, he reached the New World with the others and married a fellow passenger by the name of Elizabeth Tilly. The two raised a family and had ten children. But what if Holland had died when washed overboard? He certainly would have become nothing more than a tragic footnote in history recorded as one of the many pilgrims who died that first year, and, and some did indeed die on their way over. And many of them died that first year. But he survived, and the result makes a very different story. Howland helps us understand just how much a single life can be worth. Because Howland lived, he had 10 children, and then grandchildren, and then great-grandchildren, and so forth. As a result, Howland's descendants now number in the millions, literally in the millions to this day. And some of them are very famous. You know who they are. Three of them are presidents of the United States, Franklin Roosevelt and the two Bushes, George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush. Governors, Jeb Bush and Sarah Palin. Edith Roosevelt, the wife of Teddy Roosevelt, and a signer of the U.S. Constitution, Nathaniel Gorham. Poets, such as Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, even some Hollywood stars, are part of the Howland lineage. You know them, Humphrey Bogart, Christopher Lloyd, uh, you know, Back to the Future, and uh, Chevy Chase, uh, all part of the Part of the children be uh, from 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 Holland. Think about how uh, think about how different America would be today if Holland had died, you know. But the providence of God, by that providence, he lived, and the resulting impact on the nation uh, has been substantial, and it continues to be so, both for good and both for bad. Interesting. So. The pilgrims are are looking for Virginia. That's that's where they're trying to get to, you know. But they don't make it. 
um, then when they left, uh, you know, they're feeling they're, they're sailing for you know, the Virginia colony. Throughout the voyage, they diligently tried to arrive there, but fierce winds continued to blow them hundreds of miles north to a place completely outside of Virginia's jurisdiction. They finally put ashore at Cape Cod in the Massachusetts area. And after some searching, they found an empty and uninhabited location where they could possibly settle. Uh, and the captain said, All right, you know, you guys got to get off this ship. You can't keep hanging out here. We got to find a place to land. Uh, because the pilgrims arrived in an area not under the authority of the Virginia colony, they had come to a place with no official governance. So before leaving the Mayflower, they drew up their own governmental compact that we know today as the Mayflower Compact. Some of it says, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these present, that is, by this legal document and charter, solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one of another, covenant, and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic. And that agreement, which uh, would become known as the Mayflower Compact, was the first governing document written in the New, New World. It placed the Pilgrim civil government on a firm Christian basis and was truly the beginning of the American constitutional government. They said that, you know, their, their point was uh, they've undertaken this voyage for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. They just wanted to have a place, just a place where they could worship God freely. That's that's all. That's all that they were looking for. Uh, and, and the fact, um, you know, that they have the wherewithal to, um, to, 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 to govern themselves together, to just, this is really the beginnings of self-government. I mean, this is it right here. This is the foundation of, of what we have, the foundation of self-government. And where did they get this whole idea of self-government? As they're as they're about to to embark, as as they're leaving, uh, their pastor John Robinson, who does not make the trip with them, here's what he says to them: Lastly, whereas you are become a body politic, using them, and so this is where they 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 get that word, they get it from him. Lastly, whereas you are become a body politic, using amongst yourselves civil government. Let your wisdom and godliness appear, not only in choosing such persons as do entirely love and will promote the common good, but also in yielding unto them all due honor and obedience and their lawful administrations, not beholding in them the, ord the ordinaries of their persons, but God's ordinance for your good. Someone or few must needs be appointed over the assembly, discussing and determining of all matters. So in this royal assembly, the Church of Christ, though all be kings, yet some most faithful and most able are to be set over the rest, wherein they are charged to minister according to the testament of Christ. So their, their pastor says to them, you're going to have to set up some government. And it's interesting, he says, in the Church of Christ, all are kings. 
And this was something that they came to understand that you know, the Bible talks about God calling everybody as kings and priests, and this is what they believed. But their their pastor says, even though we're all kings, yet someone who's faithful has to has to be over you. Someone has to be in charge. And they understood this. And this whole idea of of self-government um, becomes established. And and we have we have much to thank these guys for today. We do. So when they finally land, they finally locate a suitable area to settle, and they come ashore. Uh, one of the the very first thing they do is fall to their knees and and thank God. The very first thing, reaffirming their continuing reliance upon Him, and their new colony became known as Plymouth Plantation or the Plymouth Colony, the first settlement in what would become Massachusetts. Uh, those early days were difficult. Uh, they arrived in November, and winter had fully set in. Having no homes in which to take shelter, they searched several weeks for a favorable location on which to build. Because of the long voyage, lack of provisions, and harsh conditions, most of them were sick. In fact, during the height of the illness, only six or seven of more than the 100 people who originally set out on the Mayflower were strong enough to move about six or seven, 102 of them. And only six or seven at the at the peak of the illness, just a handful of them were actually healthy enough to, to move about. But that handful worked hard, and they worked hard on behalf of the rest. Uh, here's what uh, Governor Bradford states in his writings. He's he's referring to those few that uh, that were healthy. They spared no pains, night nor day. But with abundance of toil, hazard of their health, fetched them wood, made them fires, dressed meat, made their beds, washed their loathsome clothes, clothed and unclothed them. In a word, did all the homely and necessary offices for them, which dainty and queasy stomachs cannot endure to hear named. And all this willingly and cheerfully, without any grudging, in the least, showing herein their true love unto their friends and brethren, a rare example and worthy to be remembered. So not only are they doing this for their family members, but, you know, for their friends also. Literally caring for them on their on their sickbed. But despite their best efforts, half the pilgrims died that first winter. Yet the next spring, when the Mayflower returned to England, not one of the surviving pilgrims chose to go back. So the Mayflower is, is out, you know, it's out in port. It's not going to, you know, travel back to England in the winter. The pilgrims are on land, you know, trying to make it happen. Uh, and when the springtime comes, even though half of them are dead, the remaining 50%, they choose to stay. Why in the world would they choose to stay? Well, they they had a place of religious freedom. And that's what that's what they wanted. That was their point. That was the purpose behind their departure of England. It's the that's the reason they left. Because they want to have they, they, they wanted to have a place where they could raise their children in the fear of God and, and the way that they saw fit. So when they get there and they arrive at the heart of winter and half of them die, they don't even make it. In the spring the Mayflower is like, all right, we're going back. Who's coming on board? Not a single one of them. 
make the trip back because they knew they had found freedom. And, and that's our heritage. That's what, um, that's what we have as our foundation. Uh, they all stayed for they had come neither for personal convenience. They didn't come for monetary reward. They came for religious and civil liberty and to become what they called stepping stones for others to follow after them and do the same. But perhaps with fewer hardships and greater success, they wanted to be stepping stones. And were they ever? They were stepping stones. And we're grateful. We are grateful and thankful that they said, yeah, we're going to stick it out. We're going to be stepping stones. We're going to be um, a foundation for a brand new country, a foundation for a brand new people, really a foundation for people to come to from all over the world, not just seeking religious freedom, but civil freedom, because they didn't have either in England. Uh, the government was tyrannical and the church was tyrannical. They did not have either. But here they're in a place where they have religious freedom and civil freedom. Uh, and it's a place that people still come to all over the world seeking civil and religious freedom because of the foundation that was laid by the pilgrims. This um, this glorious foundation, and we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, we truly do. All right. Um, well, I think... Uh, I think we'll stop history class here today. I'm not going to get much further. I'm looking at the clock, and it is it is winding down. I really hope that I can wrap this up tomorrow. I hope I can wrap up the history of Thanksgiving. I knew it was going to take me at least a week. I knew it. There's just too much to cover. There's too much to dive into. All right, I'm going to do my best. I am going to do my best to, to get to it tomorrow and uh, and wrap this up. But thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a part of history class. Thank you for joining us uh, during history week. I hope you have loved it as much as I have. I'm sure you have. If you're anything like me, you've, you've loved every minute of it. All right. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.